we'll cover this in a second here. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm going to cover the story in a second. It's going to be brief, but it's going to get to the point. One of the most famous prophets who ever saw God show up, ever, even Jesus referenced him as one of the greatest. He fights fear, depression, and anxiety all in one season. says, I'm going to speak to you, so come out of the cave. And then the Bible says that there was an earthquake, but God was not in the midst of it. He looked for God to speak to him through this powerful, thunderous windstorm. He wouldn't hear God's voice there either. All of a sudden, there was a whisper. And the Bible says, and God's voice was in the midst of the whisper. Sometimes we look for God to speak to us through the most vociferous, exuberant manifestation of power and, and moments. And all of a sudden God says, a moment in my presence. Just a moment like right now. And my Holy Spirit can give you new strength. I will revitalize you. I will cover you. You will sense my love. Lift up your hands. Because this moment is one of those moments. Right there in the presence of Jesus. Right now, get your strength renewed. Right now, let hope arise. Let the glory of the risen Christ fill you. Right now, let the love of God cover you. He is embracing you, loving on you. Right now, as we speak, you came in empty. You're coming out full in the name of Jesus. You came in broken, you're coming out free. You came in lost, you're coming out saved. You came in captive, you're coming out delivered. If you receive all of this right now, if you know that, you know that, you know that the presence of the living God is in the house, now give him the best shout you've given him this entire day. your neighbor tell them I'm so glad you're here I'm so glad you're here you may be seated you may be seated we want to greet our audience once again in Sacramento our campus in Los Angeles all of our audience around the world we want to greet you in the name of Jesus I want to speak to you on the subject matter I want to speak to you on the subject matter of the following here's the subject matter Look up here for a second here. Look up here for a second. We'll get some Krispy Kreme in a second. Look up here for a second. I want to show you something. I want to show you regarding something called Jezebel's tweet. Jezebel, a disruptive spirit. Jezebel's tweet. This is Jezebel. Her Twitter account. Jezebel. 
All these years ago, 2,800 years ago, we're putting it in modern context. Here it is. Right after that famous legendary generational prophet prayed down fire, prayed down the rain, outran the chariot, which is a de facto Maserati, all of a sudden, this actually took place. This woman, this evil woman on steroids, this woman, this diabolically induced, demonically infused woman, she stands up and she says, hey, Elijah, in 24 hours, you will die. In 24 hours, you will die. She declared, 1 Kings 19.2, do your biblical due diligence, please. In 24 hours, she says, I swear by my gods, in 24 hours, you will die. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, the tweet. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was a, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you would assume that the prophet who just prayed down fire saw God show up with a drought, saw God show up with fire, saw God show up with rain, outran a Maserati, you would assume that the moment he read the tweet, Elijah would have responded and said, are you kidding me? I'm going to, but no, Elijah was what? Afraid and fled for his life. He even left his servant there. He wanted to be alone. He left his ministry team. He left his church. He left his calling. And, oh, wow. And then he tells God, kill me. He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Really? Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Verse 9, then he shows up in a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Here's the subject matter today. I want to speak to you on Jezebel's tweet, the battle is between your mind and your mantle. Let me repeat that for the hearing impaired. The battle is between your mind and your mantle. The subtext is this. When you win that battle, you will change the world. Please, in our church, we do this on occasion. This is one of the occasions. By the way, if your fasting is over and you're a 49ers fan, you may want to fast one more day. Uh, that, brought, that message brought to you by the L.A. Rams. When you come back here, sir. Please, please tell your neighbor when you win that battle, you will change the world. If you're taking any notes, and good luck with that, Jezebel's tweet requires a response. Never permit Jezebel's tweet to go unanswered. She threatened to kill the man of God. This woman, unbelievable. She threatened to silence the prophetic voice. She threatened the oracle of righteousness and justice in his generation. She threatened to put an end in a de facto manner to the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. She threatened. She engaged in what can best be described as mental terrorism, psychological warfare. The question arises, how do we respond? How do we respond when the enemies of our God-ordained purpose, assignment, and destiny threaten our calling, our family, our future, our liberty, our health, and our faith? 
How do we respond? How should we respond when the enemies threaten us? When the enemies, the perpetuators of darkness, threaten us. Jezebel's tweet requires a response. What do we do? Jezebel was not the first, and she won't be the last to threaten God's children. Once upon a time, the Israelites were threatened by the Egyptians as they were coming out of slavery en route to the promised land. God gave his children through Moses a prescription, an antidote to the darkness that threatened their very existence. But Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Do not be afraid. Stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. I'm going to repeat that because this is for someone here right now. Do not be afraid. Stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. And then the promise is this. What a crazy promise. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Y'all don't get that. God has the power, the capacity, the wherewithal, the fortitude, the inclination. I would even argue biblically the promise to look at you and say, that devil you see today, that problem you see today, that sin you see today, that brokenness you see today, that chaos you see today, that disruptive force you see in your family today. God says, I'm declaring you will never see it again by the authority of my word. How many believe that God has the power to put an end? Let me ask it one more time. How many believe that the alpha and the omega has the power to put an end to your misery, an end to your pain, an end to the hell you're going through? I'm going to say that one more time. God has the power to put your season to a permanent end. Every lie of the enemy, every vestige. But he tells them, if you rebuke fear, don't be afraid. If you refuse to panic, look at your neighbor and tell them, don't panic. So many people are still panicking. I mean, they are just still freaking out. And people are just, ah! It's like, what? Calm down. And this is coming from a wired preacher, calm down. If you keep your eyes on the Lord with a spirit of expectancy, the enemies you see today will never be seen again. That's powerful. But, and, and you have the power to quote this verse. According to the, the Apostle Paul, Galatians, these promises belong to us. So you have the power to look at yourself and say, that illness will never be seen again. That bankruptcy will never be seen again. That loneliness will never be seen again. Now, now, how should we respond to Jezebel's tweet? I'm giving you biblical examples of other threats. Once upon a time, there was another threat, a giant named Goliath, who did the very same thing Jezebel did. The giant looked at the Israelites and a shepherd boy whose name was David and said, I'm going to kill you all. And then David replied to the threat, verse 45, 1 Samuel 17, and said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you. I come to you. <laughs> oh, man, this will preach all by itself. You need to stand up like David and say, you come against me? You come against me? You come against me? You got to put on that Denzel Washington anointing. You coming against me? 
in my house. You try to disrupt my service in my house. You come against me. You come against me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, with a post, with a criticism. You come against me gaslighting me and ghosting me with a teaching, with idolatry, with a virus, with a lie, with addiction, with discord. You come against me with all you got. I got news for you. I come against you. In the name of the Lord of heavens, Armies, is there anyone here who comes in the name that is above every other name? In the name of the Lord. And by the way, just for the record, the 46th verse of 1 Samuel 17, David never says, I'm going to defeat you one day. He never says, I'm going to get my victory over you next week. He never said, one month from now, we're going to see the outcome. He says, today. Somebody say, today. No, I really mean that. Say today. Somebody here needs to pick up a right now anointing and say, I'm not waiting for my breakthrough next week. I'm getting my breakthrough right here. Right now. I'm not asking God to save my kids next week. I'm asking God to show up right here, right now. Somebody shout today. Somebody open up your mouth and shout like God is in the house. Somebody open up your mouth and shout like the glory of the risen Christ. Somebody shout this day. This day. This day. Today is that day. Today is that day. Today is the day. 2 Corinthians 6.2. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, wow. Never go. Number two, real quick. Jezebel's tweet provokes fear, depression, and anxiety. Our response activates faith, destiny, and anointing. No, no, listen to me. This is, it still makes no sense. So how can, how can a believer in God fight these things? I'm going to say something a bit on the controversial side, not with the intention of being controversial. When I grew up, when I grew up, I'm still growing up, but when I, in, in my younger years, I'm still young. What I mean is, in my formative years in church, I grew up in church my entire life, and I heard some great messages, but I also heard some messages that were not theologically correct. Like you heard messages that implied that if you're a Christian, you can never fight fear. You can never fight anxiety. That anxiety and depression and fear were devils. That exclusively, that this is a devil, that that's a demon, that's a demon. So if you fought a little bit of depression, you were thinking, how can I be demon possessive, I am spirit possessed I'm so confused that's not, that's not biblical this man of God fought fear, depression, anxiety there's a difference between fighting it and succumbing to it you fighting something does not make you weak you fighting something makes you human you fighting something actually shows If you're fighting something, it actually shows that you have an anointing upon your life and that God has purpose upon your life because the devil will never attack someone who doesn't have purpose or destiny or a calling. So if you're fighting something in your life, the magnitude of your battle is completely indicative of the size of the anointing and the calling that God has placed upon your life. 
So if you have a big battle, if I were you, I'd be worshiping God. It only means that you're about to see the glory of God in you, with you, and through you like never before. Elijah should have known. He, he freaked out. Come on, somebody got to ask, how, why would he freak out if he just saw fire and rain and he outran the Maserati? Why would he freak out? Elijah, somebody could have reminded Elijah that who speaks into you is much more important than who speaks about you. That a distraction is the first step to disruption. I'll repeat that. A distraction is the first step to a disruption. And just like voice recognition technology, you need to configure the settings of your life with the following. If it's not authorized to speak into your life, do not respond. Let me repeat something. I've been traveling for the past week, for the past month, and Jason Fortick has been with me traveling. He can bear witness that this point right here is the point that has prompted in all of our conferences the greatest amount of response. It's a God-given point, biblically substantiated, as you can hear. But God showed me something about the true battle. The battle is between your mind and your mantle. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The battle is between the thoughts in your head and the calling upon your life. The true battle is between anxiety and anointing. It's between depression and destiny. It's between the nightmare and the dream. The battle is between your memories and your imagination. The battle is between faith and fear. The battle is between the hell in your past and the hope for your future. But how many in this auditorium and streaming around the world know that the battle has already been won? I'm gonna ask one more time. I didn't say how many think. I didn't ask how many hope. I, I didn't even ask how many feel. How many know that the battle has already been won? How many know that you know that you know that you know that your Redeemer liveth? How many know that you know that you know that therefore now there is no condemnation? How many know that you know that you know that greater is He that is in you? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Christ is our victory. Let nothing move you. So let me be forthright with you today. There are three critical elements that the prophet Elijah confronted that we must likewise address. If we are to successfully carry the mantle of promotion, we need to overcome fear, anxiety, and depression. Fear is the mother of twins. Not necessarily identical, but nevertheless twins. Depression and anxiety always walk together. And let me explain something. If you were to argue which one is more damaging, arguably both from a psychosocial perspective, but here comes a different take from a prophetic, biblically substantiated perspective. This one is about your past. Why do people get depressed? Because of what they went through, because of what was done to them, or what you did to others. Depression. This is about your past. Anxiety doesn't attack your past. Anxiety by its very definition occupies your future. Anxiety 
makes you worry about things that haven't even you're worried about will this thing convert into something else will this become this Will I be able to pay this? Will my family fall apart? Will my children ever be saved? Will tomorrow bring this? What's the new variant around the corner? Will this be that? Will that be that? I have news for you. You have nothing to worry about. Your past is under the blood of Jesus. And your future, Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, put a smile on your face. It says that God steps into your tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, clearing the way. I don't know if you got that. God already stepped into your future and he disarmed everything that had the potential of doing you harm. All right. I want to calm down now. Let me calm down. Engaging today's reality. You know what I mean by that. With great due deference, the following message has zero political implications at all. I just need to share with you what I believe God's spirit has placed in my heart. I want to put this button on, take the silky up. So I know we're streaming, so I want to be careful, nuanced. Here it is. Help us, Lord. The greatest virus infecting humanity is not COVID. I want to repeat that. The greatest virus infecting humanity is not COVID. The greatest virus infecting humanity is the virus of fear with the variants of anxiety and depression. I'm going to say that one more time. The greatest virus infecting humanity is the virus of fear with the variants of depression and anxiety. That's Delta, that's Omicron infecting. But I have good news. As a matter of fact, I don't have good news. I have great news. Not even great. I have phenomenal news. There is a 2,000-year-old vaccine. There is a 2,000-year-old vaccine. I'm here to tell you right now, the most powerful vaccine on the planet against fear, anxiety, and depression was not developed in a laboratory. It was not developed. It's not the Trump-Biden vaccine, the CDC vaccine, the Fauci vaccine. This is the shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. So let me ask here today, if you are vaccinated with that vaccine, somebody shout like you know the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Somebody lift up your hands. If you're vaccinated with that vaccine, if you know the virus, if you know the virus of sin and death and condemnation, that this vaccine, again, with great due deference to all the wonderful scientists and doctors and all the different uh, creative technologies, but I'm here to tell you there is no vaccine greater against fear, anxiety, depression, sin, eternal condemnation than the blood of Jesus. We need Christians who are vaccinated with the blood to act like it, to talk like it, to pray like it, to worship like it, to live like it, to go around the world and tell them, oh, I got something. My vaccine for, by the way, 
right with great due deference. You don't have to be vaccinated two times, three times, four times, five times. One drop of the blood of Jesus will change your life forevermore. Somebody shout like you're protected. All the vaccinated people, lift up your hands. I'm talking about spiritually, prophetically, redemptively. All the people vaccinated with the blood of Jesus, lift up both hands. Everyone who understands that there's not anything that hell can create, nature can create, man can create, that can never nullify what Jesus has created in your life, lift up both hands really high. <sighs> Pastor Sam, but what about the booster shots? I brought them. I brought the booster shots. Like on stage. Whoever wants a booster today, spiritually speaking, I'm going to show you a booster. Whenever these things try to show up in your life, what, what do you do? There was a line. There was a line for Kaiser Permanente an hour and a half. A, a few weeks ago, trying to get a booster shot. I, I'm prophesying we're going to see lines come into church. What's the booster? Here's the booster. Here's your Holy Communion cup. Here's the booster. Every time hell tries to show up, remind the enemy that you live in the finished work of Jesus. Remind the enemy that when Jesus said it was finished, he meant it was finished. Anybody who needs a booster, come up and get it right now. Go ahead. Get your booster right now. Pick up your booster shots. You need a booster, go ahead. We're offering free booster shots here today at New Season. Go get your booster. Go grab your booster, grab your booster, grab your booster. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 11. Here it is, here's the booster. For the Lord received what I also delivered to you, that the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He had given thanks. He said, this is my body. This is my body by the stripes of Christ. Here it is. This is my body. We are healed. This is it. We live in that. That's our reality. That's my booster shot. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in America and around the world, there is no great great, great due deference to technology and scientists. Beautiful. But there's no greater vaccine than the finished work of Christ. You want to overcome fear, anxiety, and depression, and every attack of the enemy against your destiny. There it is. Here's your booster shot. That's why coming to church is important. That's why growing in God's word is important that's why worshiping in God's presence it's important take lift up the bread if you have it open up take your booster shot take your booster shot lift it up this is the booster right here repeat after me by the stripes of Christ I am healed oh, through Christ on the cross we have salvation deliverance and healing go ahead take the take your booster shot right now Lift this up. Lift up the cup. This is your booster shot. Free boosters at new season. No waiting in line. Every spiritual virus, every attack. And by the way, I'm not some. Some people would like us to limit this to only spiritual realities and dynamics. I will not because Christ did not. Jesus went around healing the sick. Physically, not just spiritually. Emotional, mental, physical healing. 
are all part of the finished work of Christ. So this is your booster shot. I'm here to tell you, not in the laboratory, two, this is a 2,000-year-old vaccine. It still works. Only one shot, and then you get your boosters every Sunday. Are you kidding me? The finished work of Christ, the blood of Jesus. Hold it right here. Matter of fact, put it right here for a second. Look at it. Nothing like the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Through the shedding of the blood, the finished work. Drink. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to announce to the world we're live from Sacramento. Every single person here just got their booster shot. Somebody shout like you have nothing to fear. Somebody shout like nothing will be able to stand in your way. Matter of fact, stay right there, don't you move. Jason, come up here real quick. Let's do something I didn't do in the nine o'clock service. Jason, come up here real quick. Jason, as you all know, served in our military. He's a real Captain America. He's an anointed Avenger, you know this. But we were talking about this coming up from our trip this week. Jason, I want you to do something. When, and we, we, we can talk about this now, and he gave me permission. If not, I respect him enough. I would never, ever, ever share this. But he, he explained to me how, Pastor, I fought with these things coming out of the military. Everything he saw in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, he fought with these things. And I understand that. It's called PTSD. But I understand that. And then he spoke to me. He said, Pastor, until one day a group of people from this church went to his house and, 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 and prayed. I instructed a group of people specific names. I said, I need you to go over there because this, this is my man right here. I need him. And God has purpose for his life and the enemy will not win. So go in there and pray. The moment, they, no joke, just tell them, the, just real quick. Yeah. So they came to my house and they prayed over everywhere, backyard, every room, prayed over our bed, which was very important. And the words that were said was, you will no longer have any more nightmares. You will not live in fear. You will not wake up with anxiety or depression. And you're going to wake up with smelling roses in your bed. And that is exactly what happened. To that day, I have not had one nightmare. That Somebody shout like you know that it's not hype. It's the power of... So, Jason, let's do this. Ready? I want you to take fear. Take this out here real quick. Don't rip it yet. Just take it off. Jason, I want you to hear this. I want you to, when I say, when I count to three, I want you to break this man. But you're not just breaking it for you. God already did that. You're showing it as a sign that every vestige of fear is broken today. Fear of what you see in the mirror. Fear of what you see in the outside world. That fear is gone. What, the, let me give you the vaccine. I want to make sure you, you know I'm not making this up. Let me give you the vaccine. The vaccine, Isaiah 4110. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Here's the vaccine against fear from the cross. This is all the cross work. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You got that right there? So on the count of three, I declare every vestige of fear dies right here, right now. In you, in your children, in your children's children, in your community, in your generation. Right now, ready? One, two, three, break that thing. Somebody prays like you know it.
Praise like you know it. Praise like you know it. Come on. Real quick. Depression and anxiety. Come over here. All right. Randomly. Wow. Get in trouble with this. Armando, give me somebody who has fought. Somebody here. Anybody here has fought depression recently? You have fought. Come up. Run. We already got one. Come up quickly. Come up. All right, now, 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 you got to wait for me to count to three. Because, you ready? This is depression. And it's going to, by the way, do, do you realize, true story, psychologically speaking, little psychoanalysis here. True story, some depression could be genetically predisposed because of some chemical imbalance. There's some synapses issues, so they're neurological in nature, physiologically induced, not necessarily spiritually. But the enemy likes to exacerbate physiological shortcomings that arrive as a result of the fallen nature of man. You get all that, right? Okay. But then some of these things go generation to generation. There are generations that fight depression. Like my grandfather, we declare that the backseat of the blood of Jesus, are you with me? It brings an end to depression once and for all. Your children and your children's children will not, will not live in depression. Or not. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. You know what to do. One, two, three. sure she'll never be depressed again if I were a betting man I'm pretty certain that's true story you and I haven't talked about this and if you don't want me to just blink three times okay you ever fight with this I have you didn't get it from me you got it from your mom that's not the point that's my wife and that's my son by the way if you're here for the first time I have weird stuff. True, true story. Even the past few days, there was a little glitch in the proverbial matrix. And this just the enemy lies. See, that's why this whole hype about Christians can never stop that. What we fight with does not make us any less a Christian. You got to get, get off that legalistic, pharisaic, Old Testament way of thinking. Jesus in the garden, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right? Like he was sweating bullets, man. Yeah. Come on. But th- the booster takes care of this. So I need. Yeah. Well, come up here, sweetie. I just want to ask, how old are you, honey? You're 20. So you're a Z. I'm just giving you labels, sorry. Just societal descriptors and nomenclatures for your generation. Your generation Z. You know your generation suffers. I'm not making this up. This came out of Barna and a Gallup poll. Your generation fights with this more than any other generation in, in, that they have taken any surveys from ever in human history, supposedly. Like, how do they know they never surveyed anybody a thousand years ago? But this is the generation that most fights with anxiety. Your generation, Generation Z, you represent the breaking of that in the name of Jesus. Don't move, don't move. I gotta, I gotta give you your booster. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds and minds. See? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. By the way, the depression booster was Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me all who labor heavy laden and I will give you rest. And the great depression booster is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, say of the Lord. So you ready to break this? This church has the audacity in Jesus' name. We have cuckoo faith. We believe that your generation will not be the generation suffering from anxiety. We believe anointing will replace anxiety. Your generation will do more for Jesus than any other generation in human history. I'm going to say that one more time. Your generation will do more for Jesus than any other generation in human history. When I count the three, you're ripping this up not just for you. You're not going to suffer again in Jesus' name. It won't own you. It won't define you. But this is your entire generation. This day sets you free because you're beautiful and you're anointed. And God has called you. And you're going to do great things for Him. Ready? One, two, three. Break that thing. Do me a favor, step on it. There it is. Step upon the ruins of what held you back. Somebody shout unto God. If you got this word, lift up your hands. If you really got it, raise, lift up both hands. We're a little bit late right here, but we're, I'm gonna finish right now. I have to ask, as you stand with me, you are standing. Stand with me. Let me. Guys, did Elijah, did he die in 24 hours? Crazy, stop right there, 30 seconds. Give it. 24 hours passed, he did not die. One week passed, he did not die. What if I tell you a year passed, he did, okay, okay, stop, stop, stop. What if I tell you a hundred years passed, he did not die? What? What if I tell you a thousand years passed, he did not die? All right, what if I tell you it's been 2,800 years since Jezebel's tweet popped up? And the man has yet to die. Can I prove it? Absolutely. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. It says that Elijah and Elisha were walking along. Suddenly a chariot of fire had appeared. It drove the, between the separate. Elijah was carried up in a whirlwind. It says he never died. In the matter of fact, the next time we see him, he's taking a selfie with Jesus. On the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17, 2. He's one of the, him and Enoch. They never, ever, ever die. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what hell has declared upon you. Your family, your health, your future, your mind. The opposite will take place. Repeat after me. The opposite will take place. Say it like you mean it. Say, say whatever hell has declared upon me. Whatever the enemy of my purpose has declared upon me, the opposite will take place. Because what heaven starts, hell cannot stop. Now give them the best shout of praise you've given him the entire day. Somebody shout like you got it. Somebody praise like you got it. Somebody rejoice like you got it. this message raise your hand everybody got their booster if you got boosted up today raise your hand 
If you're vaccinated with the 2,000-year-old vaccine, raise both hands and a foot. If you're glad, Pastor Nathan, that that vaccine was not built, created in a laboratory, it was created in the tomb. Still works. Still works. You got this word? No more fear. No more anxiety. No more depression. And if you see that coming your way, what do you do? Boost her up, baby. Boost her up. You already have the antibodies. Activate them. In the name of... Depression wants to stick to me. I rebuke you in the name of Close your eyes for a second. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, you gave me this message with fear and trembling. I deliver it, God, knowing it's all you. But so many of us, so many people around the world have been fighting with these three elements, these three realities that paralyze purpose and destiny, that literally place the lid on the mantles. I'm asking you today by the authority of heaven in the name of Jesus, today we decree and declare by faith that fear, anxiety, depression, and every strategy of the enemy is hereby defeated. Through the finished work of Christ, Colossians 2.15, you disarmed and defeated all principalities, all powers of darkness, all workings of the enemy, making a spectacle of them on the cross. In the name of Jesus, we live in that finished work. In Jesus' name, if you believe what we just prayed and you believe it for you and your family, I want you to give God the biggest amen you've given him in the past two years.